You just you just knew that you knew, but you like if you tried to explain how you're like I, I don't know I just know I just know that I know this thing and and that could be anything it'd be something that God spoke to you or a calling for a job or a career or of the person you're supposed to marry or or whatever it is but there's this knowing a deep knowing in your heart. Well, I had an experience like that uh, a long time ago when I was a teenager actually, uh, and. I knew, I'm just going to say it now, I knew that Katie and I were going to get married before she did. So I, I, God gave me a heads up, uh, and he let me know that that's the woman that I'm going to marry, and I, I knew it. I, it wasn't like God spoke this audibly to me or something. I just knew that I knew, and we had been friends for years, but I knew I was going to marry that woman. Well, so much so that at one time we were sitting in our intern house, we were in an internship at the church, sitting at this table. And I look across the table and I say, uh, you know. And she's like, no, what? I'm like, do you know? <laughs> she's like, uh, what? I'm like, do, do you know? <laughs> and being all mysterious and sly, and she's like, know that you love me? And I'm like, hmm? Maybe, but do you know? And so I thought I was being really cool, you know, trying to like throw it in there and not say it because I wanted her to hear from God too that she was going to marry me um, without me, you know, coercing her at all. Um, but that's how I started it off. And then actually how it ended up coming to pass was we were putting away some resources from our school at this internship at the church and uh, we're just putting some stuff away and we give each other a, a parting hug because I'm going to head over and do something else and we're splitting ways and, and so we did the internship side hug you know and so uh, we did our little internship side hug and then when we did that no joke the presence of God like hit both of us like in that moment we felt the presence of God she starts crying and she says, what is happening? And then I said, we need to talk. <laughs> and so we sit down and I tell her, hey, I've loved you for a long time. And I believe that we're supposed to get married. And she's like, we're just friends at this point. And then she said, yep. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's go. And so, and then the rest is history. You know, uh, actually about a week ago, September 30th, we celebrated 16 years of marriage. So, um, and here we are today, five kids later, 16 years later. Uh, actually, we, 19 years, because we were courting for like three years before we got married. But anyways, beautiful. Uh, but that was one of those times where I just, I knew. 
I knew that I knew that I knew. And a lot of those times I do believe that it is the Holy Spirit, that it's God revealing something to us, a premonition, whatever you want to call it, prophetic word maybe, word of knowledge. Um, but we're hearing from the Lord. And I believe that there are truths in our walk with Christ that Jesus wants us to know that we know that we know. Not, not know up here. Not even just know in our heart, but know from the inner man. Like a deep knowing, immovable truth, a foundation that we build upon in our life. And I believe that those things, those foundational truths should be the things that we pray for most for ourselves and for others. And so uh, the title of my message today is, I know that I know. I know that I know. Let's pray over the word. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are present with us. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you are here. And Lord, we want to hear from you. Whatever you want to speak to us, God, that's what we want to hear. And so I ask, Lord, that our hearts will be open to your word. Lord, I pray that it'll be your words that go forth, not my own, Jesus. Lord, God, we want to honor you with our time this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So we're going to continue in our series, Position and Practice. We're walking through the book of Ephesians, and we've been in chapter 1 of Ephesians, and we are still in chapter 1 of Ephesians, but we're going to wrap up chapter 1 today uh, in the book of Ephesians. Last time we talked about prayer, and we talked about how we pray, and Paul said that it is with consistency and gratitude that we don't, it's not about how articulate we are, the words that we choose, it's not about how long the prayer is, it's about is our heart in it? Is it genuine? Is it real? Are we telling God exactly what's in our heart and are we praying a prayer of faith? And then we're doing it consistently, choosing to remain dependent upon him and his presence and his truth in our life. And are we approaching God with gratitude, with gratitude in our hearts where we position ourselves to hear the voice of God, take on a posture of worship, have the perspective of how big God is in relation to our problems or our needs, and then have proof of his unfailing love and goodness. And when we approach God that way, it opens up our heart and engages our heart in the practice of prayer, which is meant to be alive. When we engage with Jesus, it's meant to be a living relationship. Living relationship. Our heart is engaged and involved when we talk with the Lord. And so, how we pray. We talked about how we pray. And then today, we're going to go on in Ephesians 1 and look at what. What do we pray? What are some things that we pray for? And we're going to look at three fundamental truths that we should pray over ourselves and over the people around us, and that Paul prayed in his apostolic prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. So Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 17, Paul says, I keep asking, continuous, that the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Oh, that's so good. They give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. 
pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So why does he pray a prayer of revelation? Pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He says it right here. So that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit guides you and will lead you into all truth, that he will remind you of the things I've spoken to you, that he is your guide, your teacher, your counselor, your friend. That's the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that we may know him. So Paul prays, that we might receive the spirit of a relation to know him better. John 17, 3 says, now this is eternal life, that they know you. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So there's a million, a million things that we can pray for, right? There's, there's tons of needs for sure, millions and millions of needs. But Paul's prayer, I believe, focuses and addresses the deepest longing of the human heart. And that is to know and to be known, to be loved, to know that we are enough and we have enough. Uh, Luke Davis and I were having, we had the Davises over for dinner a few days ago and, and he was talking about how he believes that that's one of the deepest longing of the human heart is the questions of am I enough and do I have enough? And I believe that that's true. That we want to know, are we enough? You know, am I enough? And do we have enough? But all of those questions, those longings of the human heart, they are fulfilled and that question is answered in union with God. Union with God solves the riddle of the human heart. Because we were made, literally made, for union with God. Can you guys do this with me? Put your hands together like this. Put your hands together like this, okay? Like the praying hands, right? Uh, so this represents intimacy, right? We're close. We're close to someone. We're very close. We're touching. This is our intimacy with God. But then if you spread your fingers apart and then you close in here, do that. That's union. We are intertwined with God. That God is literally in us. And what's amazing about this is that the spirit of God, yeah, you can, you can. You don't have to do that. So, you, know, you can put it down. Um, but the Spirit of God is in us, right? The Holy Spirit is upon us, the Bible says, right? The pray that you will be endued with power from on high. The Spirit of God will come upon you. And then the Bible says that we are in Christ. So the Spirit of God is in us. The Holy Spirit is on us. We are in Christ. And he says that in Colossians 3, 3, our life is hidden with Christ in God. And so we're in God. We're in like this cocoon of God, like in us, outside of us, the God sandwich, right? And when we come to know Jesus, we are completely encompassed with the spirit and presence of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we come to know Jesus, the question is, are we living into that truth? Because it is true, we are united with God, but are we living into that union? Are we praying into that union. We desire to be understood and to understand, to be accepted and to accept, to, to be desired, to be respected, 
And so in union with Christ, we both understand and we're understood. We accept and we are accepted. We, we desire and we are desired. We respect and we are respected. Isn't that awesome? So the deepest desire of the human heart is fulfilled in union with God. There is no greater purpose or pursuit in our life than to know God. And so therefore there's no greater prayer. Many of the needs that we experience in our life are a result of the absence of a deep and abiding knowledge of Jesus and of the gospel. That a lot of those needs is because we don't have that abiding deep knowledge of Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us. And that's why Paul prays, 118, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Deep knowing, the eyes of the heart. Jesus came to open the eyes of our heart. It's like the song, open the eyes of my heart. Yeah, I knew you guys were thinking it. You guys. All right, but he came to open the eyes of our heart. What is the heart? That's the seat of the emotions of the thought, our soul, the deepest part of who we are, our inner man. And Jesus says, I want to open those eyes so that you will have spiritual understanding, that you may know me, knowing me that goes beyond head knowledge or even heart knowledge. It is an experience, a union with the truth and the life of God. And so he wants to open up the eyes of our heart. It's like an impression. It's a conviction. It's an inspiration. It, it, it goes deep, deep into who we are, the deepest part of who we are, and becomes a part of us. It, the, the truth of God becomes part of who we are. So uh, it's, it's not just recollection knowledge. Not just recalling truth, right? So that's like your first level, is being able to recall something that is true. It's not just understanding, like we understand how it works. It's not just that. It's not just belief in a truth even. Or, well, yeah, I believe that to be true, generally. Or even acceptance of a truth, where I believe that is true for me, right? Even beyond that, even beyond practicing and living out a truth where a value has gone from just being a value to being behavior, where we've reordered and reprioritized our life around a value and we're living it out. It's beyond that even, it's union, where the truth becomes so much a part of us that it's second nature. We don't have to think about doing it, we just do it, right? It's just part of who we are. And that's where God wants us to be in the truth of who he is and the truth of the gospel. It becomes a part of who we are. And I think that that's not fully fulfilled until... We, we go to be with Jesus, but we can start experiencing that union now. So when we intercede and we pray for others, let's start right here. Let's start by speaking to the deepest longing of the human heart, praying for ourselves and praying for those around us. The spirit of wisdom and revelation so Paul goes on to show us the specific revelation knowledge, the truths that we're supposed to pray over one another. So in, in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. So these, there's three things, that you may know these three truths. The hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power 
for us who believe. So we pray that we may know these three things. We start with his hope, that we might know the hope to which he has called you. First John 3, 2 through 3 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So he says, all who have this hope in him purifies themselves. This eager expectation, that's what hope is, an eager expectation that we will be like Christ. That that is God's destiny for us, to be conformed into the image of his son, Romans 8, 29. That we would be like Jesus in the fullness of who he is. That we might be filled with the fullness of God. This eager expectation that we might be complete, satisfied, content, whole, nothing missing, nothing broken. This is God's destiny for us. Every desire that we reach out to and we try to grasp in this world pleasure, maybe maybe it's productivity, a sense of purpose, belonging, acceptance, value, significance, all the different things that we reach for are going to be fulfilled in Christ in us. Christ in you is the hope of, you guys know what it is? Glory. Glory. Wow, glory. That is a big word, by the way. Weightiness, heaviness, splendor, majesty, riches. That is the glory of God. So Christ in you is the eager expectation that you will take part in God's glory. That it's going to rest upon you, in you, on you, around you. That's God's destiny for us. Now, the thing is, this hope purifies our hearts. It protects us from the disappointment and the despair of false hope and of a sick heart. Proverbs 10.28 says, The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. Another verse says that, I can't remember what it is, but in Proverbs, I know that, says hope deferred makes the heart sick but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There are so many different things that we can put our hope in in this world. And the enemy is constantly peddling out different things to put our hope in. He's like, put your hope in this. Put your hope in money or success or accomplishment. Put your hope in this relationship. That's gonna fulfill you. Put your hope in this sports team, winning the Super Bowl. That's gonna fulfill you. I know that one personally. Um, because I was born and raised in West Texas. I have a confession. I know I've said this. It's so, so painful. But I am a Cowboys fan. And so I've had the hope that the Cowboys would win the Super Bowl. And let me tell you, after years and years, I have come to understand that is a false hope. <laughs> it is. It is a false hope. And it has disappointed me, okay? My heart has been sick from putting my hope in the Cowboys winning Super Bowl. So... There's so many different things we can put our hope in. And it can be simple. It could be, my hope is for the weekend. And when the weekend comes, ah, that'll be fulfilling to me. Finally, I get to be off work. That'll be fulfilling. It's not going to fulfill us. 
or our hope of vacation. That vacation we got planned, that vacation is going to fulfill me. Oh, when I, when I get married, then I'm going to be fulfilled. When I have kids, when, when the kids are out of the house, then I'll, there might be some truth to that. Um, then I will be fulfilled. I will be alive again. When I retire, then, then retirement, then I'll be fulfilled. No. But the enemy wants us to put our hope in anything he can get, get us to put it in because then he can breed disappointment. And then as one hope doesn't fulfill, and then another hope, and another hope goes unfulfilled, 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 makes the heart sick, makes the heart sick, makes the heart sick. And the next thing you know, we are sick in our hearts. And then we feel far from God. And then we're not feeling his presence. And then our relationships have suffered because we put our hope in all these different things. Or we've put our hope in people in a relationship, and we set an unreasonable expectation upon that person, and then naturally they, they couldn't meet it because they're not perfect, and then it's ruined our relationship because we have been peddling our hope in things other than Christ. So when we know, though, when we know that we know that we know his hope, that releases us from the disappointment of false hopes. We know it releases us from that. And it makes our heart full. Psalms 62.5, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Our soul can be at rest when it's in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Wow. Then we can be content. Amen. So we put our, we, we know that we know the hope of his calling. The next thing is the, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So we pray for that, and then we pray for the riches of his glorious inheritance in the people. What are the riches? Ephesians 1, 7, and 8, we go back. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Francis Fulkel said this, the riches of his grace, grace which is rich beyond human understanding and infinitely beyond any earthly wealth. Six times in this letter, the apostle Paul speaks thus of the riches of God revealed and made available, the wealth of his grace in mercy and glory the riches of the unmerited favor of God because of the sacrifice of his son. L listen, listen to these verses. I'm going to go through them real quick in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 3, 8, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. The riches of his grace are found in the blessings of Ephesians 1. Remember when we talked about how he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? I just realized that if anyone was sitting up here... Spray is going out. 
I'll step back a little bit, okay? Just so I don't get you, Mike. I don't want to get you. Um, I'm, I'm kind of spitting more this way, so you guys are safe. <laughs> but the riches of his grace are found in the blessings in Ephesians 1. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The blessing of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Acceptance, innocence, adoption, freedom, forgiveness, revelation, confirmation, assurance, protection. The riches of his grace. Wow. That we may know deep within us an abiding knowledge of the riches of his grace which are purchased through, for us through the cross. When we know his grace and the riches of his grace, it releases us from the shame of inadequacy. That question, am I enough, is answered in the riches of his grace. Christ has made you adequate. He has declared you to be righteous, he's adopted you as a son and daughter, and he's made you holy. Man, and he's filled you with his spirit. How much more confirmation do you need than that? The spirit of God, the fullness of God dwells within you. And so when the enemy comes and he's peddling with that, that inadequacy, are you enough? You can go back to the riches of his grace. Amen? And the third thing here, that we pray for. So we pray for that, that we know the hope of his calling, that we know the riches of his grace, and we pray that we might know his power, Ephesians 1, 19, and his incomparably great power. I love the adjectives. Incomparably great. Like he's really making the case here. Power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. God wants us to know how powerful he is and that that power is made available to us. He is more powerful than anything this world can bring at us. Any demonic force or oppression can't stand to Jesus and the power of the spirit of God that is literally living in you. All oppression, all addiction, all sickness, whatever it is, the devil cannot put anything out there that comes against God's great, incomparably great power that dwells in us. He's made the name of Jesus above every name, right? Every name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord in heaven, on the earth, under the earth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, not angel nor demon. Nothing in this world can separate us from Christ's love. The power of God is in you and I by the spirit of God in us. And his power is able to break any chain of bondage, to heal any wound of the heart, and to proclaim our true identity as sons and daughters of God. The power of his spirit, that we might know the incomparably great power of Jesus. And we may not have it, but he does. <laughs> he's got it, and he's in us. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. First John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in us. So when we come to the end of ourselves, we're, we're in the right place. Psalm 73, 26, my heart, my flesh, and my heart may fail. 
there may be a time where we're done. We give up. I've got nothing left. I'm on E. I can't, I can't keep going. I can't keep fighting this fight. It's not going to happen. I'm done. I give up. I'm throwing in the towel. It's okay. Because when our flesh and our heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He is the strength of my heart. We may come to the end of ourselves, but not to the end of God. Come to, we might come to our end, but that's his beginning. That's exciting. His strength perfected in us. And when we're faced with impossible odds or habitual sin or struggles, we can't let shame define who we are. We cannot let shame define who we are because shame will cause us to give up, not just on ourselves, but we'll give up on God. We can't let shame define us because what will happen when we come to the end of ourselves and we fail, which inevitably we will because we're human, and when we do that, we'll start shooting. We'll, we'll shoot all over ourselves. I should have done this. I should be stronger. I should be able to overcome this. I should know this. I should have gotten this. I should, I should, I should. But when we know the greatness of his power for us, it releases us from the weight of self-reliance. And that's the first step to our freedom. Giving up on our ability putting our faith in his. This is, these are the first few steps of AA. And, and it works, 12-step program. Right here it says, number one, step number one is admitting powerlessness over the addiction. Admitting that we're powerless. Number two, believing that Jesus can help. I know it says a higher power, but he's our higher power. Believing that Jesus can help. Number three, deciding to turn control over to Jesus. You know, the founder of AA, Bill Wilson, had an encounter with Jesus, and that's what made him free from his alcohol addiction. He encountered God and he set him free. He came to the end of himself. He cast his care and he put his trust in Jesus and God set him free. That's the beginning of our freedom. In Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That means he can be strong for me. We want to be strong. We want to be self-sufficient. Right? We want to win. We want to win the battle. You know? We want to overcome. We want to have the spiritual accomplishment that we did it. We quit cold turkey, whatever it is. We overcame. And we can take pride in that. But man, there is a freedom that comes when we release that to Jesus and we let Jesus be strong for us. We let him be strong for us. So this is what we pray. First and foremost, before anything else, we pray that we might be filled. We and those around us may be filled with the, may, be, may receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know Jesus better. We pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened, that we may know the hope 
of his calling, that we may know the riches of the glorious inheritance in his saints, that we may know the incomparably great power for us who believe. And we pray and we see what God does in this prayer. This is the apostolic prayer of Paul. This is what he decided to pray. And so this is our example. We pray these things that, that speak to the deepest desire of the human heart. And we pray them for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But not just those who know Jesus. This is a great prayer for those who don't know Christ. It's a great prayer. If you've been wondering, like, how do I pray for my lost cousin or, you know, my neighbor or my coworker who doesn't know Jesus, how do I pray for them? Pray this. Pray that God will give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation that they may know him better. Pray that they may know the hope of his calling, that they may know the glorious riches of his grace, that they may know the incomparably great power of God for them, that they may know Jesus. It's a great prayer to pray for those who don't know Christ. So this is what we're going to do. I'm just going to invite you all, just stand with me here. We're going we're gonna to do something very practical right now. We're, we are going, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for each other. It's going to be fun. So before we pray for one another, this is what I want you guys to do. I want to make sure that we're going to pray for the person on our right and on our left, Okay. So um, make sure that you get close enough together. If your person on your left is really far away, then everyone just kind of squeeze in. And I want you to make sure that you know their names. So everybody kind of squeeze in. We're going to grab hands eventually, but I won't make you do it now because that will be awkward. Everybody squeeze in. Make sure you know the names of the person on your right and your left. I want to make sure we know their names. Okay. I'll give you a little time to chit-chat. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. So. I know you guys are like, well, I know my parents' names. Okay. Some of you are like looking at your spouse. What's your name again? Okay. All right. So this is what we're going to do. Everybody across the aisles, grab hold of the hands across the aisles. We're going to join hands. I know post-COVID era, we have hand sanitizer in the back afterwards. Okay. Reach across the aisles, grab hands. I know some of you guys are like, this is weird. Why am I doing this? We'll make it quick. Okay. This is what we're going to do. Can we get the prayer up on the screen? get the prayer? There it is, right there. Okay, we are going to pray this prayer over each other. Okay? So think of the names of the people, and you're going to put them right there where it says names. Okay? I'm just going to pray for Mike and Jenny. Okay, I'm going to use their names, all right? And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray this corporately, collectively, together. But first, let's give thanks to God. Let's close your eyes. Lord Jesus, thank you. You are good. We give thanks to you, God. You are beautiful and wonderful and majestic, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the riches of your grace. Thank you for the hope of your calling. Thank you, Jesus, for your incomparably great power for us who believe. God, we worship you. We thank you, God, that you are good. And thank you for my friend on my right and my left. Thank you for Mike and for Jenny, Lord, in Jesus' name. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer together collectively. I'll lead us. You just, you don't have to repeat. Just, we'll just pray it all as one. Here we go. And pray. Lord, I pray that you would increasingly give Mike and Jenny the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know you better. 
I pray that the eyes of their hearts may be enlightened in order that they may know the hope to which you have called them, the riches of your glorious inheritance in your holy people and your incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, you guys can let go. <laughs> All right, now, that is a prayer that you can use. You can pray over your friends, your family, and over those who don't know Christ. Now, where are my card card pass routers? Okay, can you guys go ahead and pass out these cards to everyone? Just kind of pass them down the aisles. Okay, Lori. She's going to come across with you. Um, I'm going to give you guys a card. And this card, I don't, I don't have one with me, but basically this card has this prayer on it. On one side it has a prayer, so you can keep it with you. It has a little bookmark in your Bible, you know, whatever you, however you want to use it. Keep it somewhere where you're not going to lose it. Hopefully that's your Bible. Okay, so keep that card, hopefully, where you'll see it again. Um, Keep the card with you. And then on the back side of the card, there's two blanks. This is my challenge. I want you to write down two people who don't know Christ on the back of this card. Two names. It could be a neighbor, a coworker, family member, whoever it is, doesn't matter. I want you to write down two different people that don't know Jesus. And then, this is the challenge, pray this prayer over every day. It takes, what would it take us, 20 seconds maybe? And that was like with our really slow cadence. So not even that, like 30 seconds of your day. This is what I'm challenging you. Take 30 seconds of every day in your morning, lunch. It can be any time, 30 seconds. You can find 30 seconds in all sorts of places right before you go to bed and pray this prayer in faith. Remember, this is not a religious practice. And maybe you need to start with gratitude. Give thanks to God, give some thanks, engage your heart, and then pray. And just pray this prayer over those two people. And I want us to do this for the month of October. I know it's a long time, but, or just till whenever they come to Christ, honestly. Let's, let's be real, okay? Just pray until they come to know Jesus. But I just want to see what God does because prayer works. It works. I have so many testimonies of answered prayer in my own life. I know you guys got tons of them. Prayer works. So let's pray for the, one of the most important things in the world, that people will know Jesus. Amen. All right, well, we're going to close in worship this morning. And uh, I just want you guys to meditate on those truths. Just as you worship, just think about, pick one. Maybe it's the hope. Maybe it's the power of God. Just pick one of those truths, and I just want you to think about that over and over in your mind. Meditate on that word. Let God deep seed that thing into your heart. And then if you need prayer for anything, I'm going to invite elders and staff to come forward. We're going to be on the sides here, so we won't be like up front where we're praying for you, like right here, you know, in front of everyone. 
me on the side. But if you want prayer, we want to pray with you. Anything. And we want to provide that. We believe in prayer. This is, this is proof. Okay? So if there's anything that you need prayer for, anything at all, anything that God puts on your heart, we want to pray with you. Okay? So we want you to come up and receive prayer. We're going to close with worship. Everyone just stand to your feet. I know you sat back down. Then we'll, this is the last time. I promise you. Stand to your feet. Let's, let's close in this song of worship. friends here today, Jesus. Lord God, that you put um, the, the people in our hearts, Lord, that you're reaching out to, the people that are ready to hear the gospel, that are ready to come to know Christ. Lord, put those people on our hearts. And I pray, God, that your spirit will move in power. Lord, as we pray over these names, Lord, in the weeks to come, I thank you, Jesus, that people are going to come to know Christ. Lives are going to be transformed. Chains are going to break. Hearts are going to be healed. And lost sons and daughters are going to be reconciled with their Heavenly Father. And we believe that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, just think about it. There's, what, maybe 50 or so of us in here. If every single one of the two people, that's, that's 100 people, 100 souls coming to know Christ. And that's incredible. That's what I'm expecting to see in God's time. A hundred souls coming to know Jesus, reconciled to the Heavenly Father. Man, that's exciting. And this is just the beginning. Amen? Amen. Awesome.